Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, we're welcoming uh, Amped Blend uh, out in Roan Cor- uh, County. Good morning to you. Down in Bearden, good morning to you. Online, good morning to you. Hey, uh, we're in a series we're calling Building Faith. We're going through the rest of the book of Genesis over the next couple of weeks. And so I know some of you are like, wow, that's really fast. We're only in chapter 26 this week, and we're going to finish. That's only halfway through, for those of you who are keeping score. We're only halfway through the book of Genesis, but we're going to finish it over the next couple of weeks. Kind of slow at the beginning. We're definitely picking up pace as we, as we close it here in the month of July. Um, and you know what? I, I was thinking this week, what, what says summertime more than a barbecue, right? Having people over, hanging out. For me, when I think barbecue, some of you think uh, grilling. I'm not talking about grilling. I'm talking barbecue. Like uh, my, my wife and I uh, and our girls uh, spent some time in Texas and, and we've actually lived in lots of different places and we take some kind of food from every place that we go. And when we lived in Texas, it seemed like the one thing that you got wherever you went was brisket, barbecue brisket. So much so that we were sick of it. Some of you are like, how could that possibly be? When you show up everywhere all the time and it's just brisket, you get a little sick of it. But I love barbecue brisket. Nothing says summertime to me for me like barbecue brisket. And for those of you who've ever tried to make it, you know that it takes, to make it right, takes a really long time. Low and slow. For those of you in the barbecue crowd, all right, if you're vegan out there, this is my illustration. Go with me, okay? It just takes a really long time. And when you do that, when you get to the other side and you, and you taste it, it is actually incredible. It's like, wow, I can't believe how flavorful, how tender, how juicy this is. And it cooked for a really long time. If you want to ruin a brisket, you know what you do? Stick in the microwave. That's what you do. Stick in the microwave or just turn up the heat and try and cook it as fast as you can. And and what happens is you'll you'll try and eat that. It'll be super tough. It'll be gross. You'll want to just throw it in the garbage. Even your dog won't want to eat a brisket cooked in the microwave. Want no part of that. Why? Because it's terrible. And that's the faith story. We've been talking in this series that that faith is only born over time. The only way that we have faith is through experience, walking with God over a long period of time. I wish it was different. A couple weeks ago, I told you, I hate that. I hate that that somebody once in my life said, you're just going to have to live it. I wanted to smack them like, no, I don't want to live it. I just want to have it. Nope, you got to live it. You have to walk with God over a long period of time when we do that. Faith builds over time. Last weekend, we saw that faith is built on God's faithfulness. Faith is built on God's faithfulness. And, And this is super encouraging because I'm grateful that faith isn't built on my ability. I'm grateful that faith doesn't rely upon me looking deep within me and trying to find something. That's the world's version of faith. That's the world's version of spirituality. Look deep within and you'll find what you're looking for. And and the answer to that question is, no, you won't. Look as deep as you want. You'll never find what you're looking for inside of you. You actually have to take your eyes off you, turn your eyes towards God, find out who he is, and you'll finally discover what it is that you're looking for. And that is a God who is faithful. God is faithful. It's who he is. Faith is built upon the character of God. 
and he is faithful. This weekend, here's what we want you to walk away with. Faith is built on God's presence. Faith is built on God's presence. If you walk into this week with one thing, remind yourself, my faith is built on the fact that God is with me. I may not feel it right now. I may not be experiencing it right now. I may feel like that's a little bit in doubt right now, but I need to remind myself that that is true. If I have new life in Christ, God is with me. So when we're talking about God's presence, um, I want to clarify what we're talking about because God is everywhere, right? God is everywhere. and, And that's not exactly what we're talking about. The fact that God is everywhere is reflected in a a song that King David wrote, um, Psalm 139, when he writes, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There's nowhere that we can go to flee from the presence of God. There's nowhere in the universe that we can go to flee from God's presence. But that is not the God's presence that we're talking about. In fact, the majority of the time that the Bible talks about the presence of God, it's talking about God's active presence. That's a phrase I just made up. God's active presence. God's presence to bless. God's personal interaction with people, the active presence of God, that what we're talking about this weekend, that that God's very personal presence in our world. And as we get started, here's a reminder. You've likely heard this before, but, but here's the reminder that God's presence has always defined God's people. Always. What has set God's people apart is God's presence with them. And that was true from the very beginning of creation. We saw that in the book of Genesis as we move into uh, chapter 12. And now we see this narrative change and we see a God set apart a people. And what defines God's people is God is with them. Now we see the way that God has chosen to reveal his presence change throughout scripture. We see it make progress throughout God's story. But, but what is important is that we would remember God has made us to be a people who are connected to him and we're defined by the presence of God. In Psalm 16, King David wrote, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We're talking about the active presence of God in our lives. That's what we're talking about this weekend. Faith is built on God's presence. Now, it's important that we remember that, that we're followers of Jesus today, all right? We are, we are not, um, as we read books like the book of Genesis, we've, we've talked throughout this series and we talk about it over and over again because um, it's really important to us that we would remember that when we read the Old Testament, we read it through the lens of the gospel because here's what can happen when we don't, okay? I'm not saying that this is the only way to do it. There's plenty of people out there that'll teach you, oh, don't, if you really wanna understand the text, don't use the New Testament, just read the, the Old Testament for, for itself, okay? There's, there's people out there that'll teach you that. But what ends up emerging is you get the story that people go, wow, it seems like there's two different gods. 
It seems like there's the God of the Old Testament, and then there's this person who shows up in the New Testament named Jesus. I like Jesus. I don't like the God of the Old Testament. And what they failed to do is they, they failed to read God's story as a whole. They failed to read God's story as God's story. And when we read God's story through the lens of the New Testament into the Old Testament, what emerges is there's not two different gods because the God who becomes a man named Jesus in the New Testament is there throughout all creation from the very beginning as the living word of God, right? The word of God who created everything became a man in the New Testament. So we can't divide them out. And if anybody ever says to you, well, I don't understand the Old Testament. There seems like there's this God there. And then there's God in the New Testament. Be like, flip your Bible like this, read it through the New Testament because it makes total sense when we do that. Jesus just doesn't show up on the scene and all of a sudden God changed. Even though he chose to change the way that he revealed himself to humanity by becoming a man, God has always been speaking to his people. In the Old Testament, we call it the word of God. In the New Testament, we call it Jesus. Him, Jesus, sorry, not it. That's what we're talking about. And so as we read this story, what emerges is, is what does a story about Isaac have to do with following Jesus today? This can be confusing. And the reason that we're so adamant is that what we don't want you to do is the mistake that we see a lot of people doing, which is just you, you read the text and then you just come up with a little moral lesson to put into your life. So I could be a little bit more like Abraham or I could be a little bit more like Isaac or don't be like Abraham in that regard and be a little bit more like Isaac here, a little less like him there. That's just moralism. But what does this say about the character of God, about who God is? And, and then how does that connect to us? And so that's what we're going to try and see in today's story. Is what does the story about Isaac have to do with the father of Jesus? And what we're going to see is it has everything to do with us as followers of Jesus today. It has everything to do with us. Now, we're going to pick up in chapter 26. It says, now there was a famine in the land. Besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you a sojourn in this land. And I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God made a promise to Abraham. And now God reinforces that promise to Isaac. And for those of you who've been playing along and, and you've been going through the book of Genesis with us, this should sound really familiar. As, as we've started back in chapter 12 and we started reading about Abraham's story, all of a sudden, Isaac's story, the son of Abraham, his story sounds really similar. All of a sudden, oh, wow, there's a famine. And, and the author of Genesis wants us to know, well, it's not the first famine. It's just a new famine. And, and unlike Abraham who went down to Egypt, Isaac is told to not go down to Egypt. He's supposed to stay here. And, and God has reinforced this promise that, that it's... 
I'm going to be a blessing to you, and through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, here's another just little guidance, all right? When you read that word nations in the Bible, here's, here's just a tip for us understanding the Bible. We sometimes connect the word nation with the English word country. When we think of nations, we think of United Nations, and we think, well, that's a, a group of countries that have come together, so that is what we consider nation, and then we read it in the text, and so we just interchange all the countries of the world will be blessed. And the problem with that is that isn't, that's not what it means. It means all the people. So when you read nations, read people groups, and it's going to change, all right, I should have been teaching this last weekend, it's going to change how you view countries. Because God isn't talking about countries, he's talking about groups of people. That all the people, and guess so that, guess what that means? That, that the United States of America is a country, but it's made up of lots of nations. It's made up of lots of people groups. And all the people groups that are part of this country will receive blessing in only one way, by becoming connected to Abraham's story. And if you're a follower of Christ, that is your story. That, that you have now been connected to God's story by the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You're going to wonder, how, man, how did you get here from there? We're going to show you. That, that, it, that, that what we see in chapter 26 is a doubling down on God's promise to a specific person named Isaac. And sometimes if we just read the Old Testament isolation, people will read a text like this and they'll see, you know what? God said to Isaac, I will be with you and I will bless you. And people now personalize that and see, see, God said, he'll be with me and bless me. And I'll be like, well, not because of Genesis chapter 26. God hasn't promised you anything in Genesis chapter 26. When people say all the promises of the Bible are true, what we mistakenly do is we read texts like, like 26 chapter, uh, uh, chapter 26, verse 3, and we take a, a promise made to an individual, and we're like, okay, that's now my promise. We don't take the time to actually go, how am I connected to that promise? Well, I am connected to that promise because of Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus is teaching his disciples. Hours before he's going to be tried and then crucified on a cross, that, he, that he's going to pay for the sin of the world, right? And in that teaching, it's really profound. He, he, he says this in John chapter 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll, you'll, you'll do what I say. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And throughout that chapter, we connect the helper with the Holy Spirit. He says the helper is the Holy Spirit to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. As followers of Christ, the normal Christian life is that, that we have the indwelling presence of God himself. We, we are a, a possessed people. Now, when we say this, okay, when we're like, hey, God speaks to me, and the world thinks this is weird, and the reason the world thinks it's weird is it's weird. It's weird, man. But it's God's story, and it's our story, and it's amazing. 
I don't even understand how it all works. I just know that it's true, that the indwelling presence of God himself is in everyone who has new life in Christ. Some of us are paying attention to it. Some of us are realizing that it's true. Others of us aren't. But I, I know from scripture that it's true. And that Paul, he, he sure seems like he wants us to know that the way that we're connected to Isaac and to Abraham is through the indwelling spirit of God. He wrote a letter to a church in, in a place called Galatia. We call it the book of Galatians. And in that book, he says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. If we have new life in Christ, we are connected to Abraham's story, which means we're connected to Isaac's story, which connects us to this promise of of being one of these people that will be a blessing to the people groups of the world. That, That the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. When you think about the good news, and we talked about a couple weeks ago, Jesus saves and transforms, that the world would know that Jesus saves and transforms, that the only way to become children of God is through faith in Christ, that the world would know that is true and God knew that when he was beginning the story through Abraham. It is is the beginning of of our story. So Paul goes further down in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Our story has always been about receiving the promised Holy Spirit through faith. This is way back to Abraham. This is what connects us, that we are an indwelt people. That's the good news. The good news isn't I go to heaven someday. Do you know that? That's just a benefit. That's just like, oh yeah, I get that too. The good news is God is in you today. The good news is that God is with us. There's a guy, his name, uh, John Wesley. Um, you may have heard of him before. He, the Wesley brothers are known for founding the Methodist church. And, and John Wesley is the lesser known of the two Wesley brothers. His brother, Charles Wesley, wrote like the whole hymnal that you grew up with. John Wesley, uh, he's famous for on his deathbed, the last, he said this sentence two times, that in his last dying words are something to the fact like this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ish it. The best of all is God is with us. The best of all is God is with us. And he died. The best of all is God is with us. He's with us. This is our story. And so as we're reading through the Old Testament and from here through the rest of God's story, man, hey, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Why does God have to remind his children that he's with them? Because we forget. Why? Life is hard. 
Today could be hard. Tomorrow could be hard. We don't know what's coming, and God has to remind us, don't be afraid, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, because sometimes we forget that God is with us. And so he reminds Isaac of the promise that he's given him. And he says, I'm gonna be with you. In verse six, it says, so Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the, the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. Now this phrase here, it's not like they were just joking around. The Hebrew in this, this instance wants you to know like there's something more going on. It was enough that when you saw what was going on, you're like, oop, they're not siblings. There's something else happening there. And he says, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. Man, sound familiar? He tries the old, hey, Say you're my sister trick, just like his dad had. Because I don't want to die, so you be my sister. And then what we see is God's presence was not dependent upon Isaac's performance. God, God blessed him anyway. God blessed him because it was God's plan. God blessed him because that's what God wanted to do. Not because Isaac did it all right. Not because he had it all figured out. Not because his faith was so amazing. Nope, it was God's plan. Now, remember the little warning on how we just don't jump into the Old Testament, take these little nuggets and pull them out. Because here in this text, the blessing of God is equated with material wealth. And it's going to matter as we continue on in the story, but, but just because this is Isaac's story, God's blessing to us may or may not be in material wealth. It may be, but it may not be. Because our blessing from God is through Christ. The blessing that we're connected to this story is through the indwelling Holy Spirit. You have all the blessing that you need from God. You have God himself living in you. That's the blessing. You got all of it. Now, whether or not you're paying attention and living by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, that's a whole nother thing. But you have the very presence of God living in you. And you don't, you don't need more blessing than that. So our, our reminder for us as followers of Jesus today is that the Holy Spirit is currently active in our lives. I have to remind myself of all this all the time. I, I do this book for a living, right? <laughs> I do this book for a living and I, and I gotta remind myself that, you know what? 
the Holy Spirit's real. He's living in my world. He's empowering me to follow Jesus. I have to remind myself of that all the time. A couple weeks ago, we heard some pretty incredible stories. And, and you may have walked away. We heard, we heard Dale's story, and God did an amazing thing in, in his world on just some April day that seemed totally random, and God did some amazing stuff. And then we heard Jeff's story of coming to faith, and, and it was amazing. And some of you may walk out of here, and you're like, oh, wow, those are great stories, but why isn't that my story? Why did April be so terrible in my world? It seemed like it was pretty great in Dale's world. That's their story. That's their story. Your story of walking with God is your story. And, and some days, they're really, really hard. And some days, they're amazing. But God is at work. There's a phrase, um, you know, there's just personal little things that get under my skin in case you haven't noticed. And one of them is when people talk about that, that good stuff happens and they say it's a God thing, we talked about that before, or something good happens, they're like, oh, see, God was at work in that. And we fail to realize that God was at work in the junk too. God's at work in the terrible too. It's not like he's like, oh, I'm, and he just doesn't use the terrible because he can. Like, my, my view of God is much bigger than that. That God, God can cause the good and God can cause the terrible all for his glory. He's that good. He's that big. He's that wonderful. And so when, when we're paying attention to what it is that God is doing, often if we just equate God's active presence in our world with the good stuff, we end up missing out on what he's doing. We end up missing out on the very things that he's calling us to. So this part, though, um, from Jeff's story uh, a couple weeks ago, um, when he was talking about coming to faith, and, and, and for those of you who didn't get to hear Jeff's story, he's in his 70s and he rejected God for a really long time. I loved it when he said, like, I went to church with my wife because that's what you do if you want to be married for a long time, you do stuff together. And so I, he just went. He just went along. He went along. But over time, God was working in his world. God was working in his world until he finally came to the space where he's like, I need Jesus. And when he did that, it's like, I, I need Jesus. He recognized what he really needed was the indwelling presence of God himself. And so uh, someone prayed for him and told him to go home and start talking to Jesus. So he just like, okay, I guess this is what you do. And so he did it. And, and he just said it this way. So I started talking to Jesus. And the first thing I noticed was he talks back. He talks back. I talked to him. He talks to me. And then he went further and talked about, hey, I, people around me started to notice. People around me started to notice that I wasn't the same person. Now, I had all the same problems. I had all the same worries. They just didn't affect me as much. I had all the same stuff and garbage in my world. It just didn't, it didn't have the same impact on my life. 
God is at work, and our part is to open our eyes and ears and pay attention. Jesus is actively working in and through the Holy Spirit in our world. In your life, if you have new life in Christ, he is working in your world. And and if you don't have new life in Christ, the best of all is when you come to new life of Christ, you have God in you. You have the very dwelling presence of God through the Holy Spirit who comes and takes up residence in your world in a very personal kind of way. That is what we're talking about. When we talk about somebody having a personal relationship with Jesus, what we are talking about is they are an indwelling follower of Christ. So the Philistines tell Isaac to leave, and he does. And he travels through the region, and the first place he stops, there's a well been covered over, he digs it back up, and the herdsmen in that area are like, hey, that's our water. So he leaves, and he does it again. And the next time the people come and they're like, hey, that's our water. So he goes to a third location. He digs a, a well and he names it room or space and then says, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. In verse 23, it says, from there he went up to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Now, again, this story sounds really familiar. God doubles down on the promise, reminds him of what is true. He, and Isaac worships the Lord. In verse 26, it says, when Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahasuoth, I don't know what it says, and his advisor in Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do no harm Just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace, you are now the blessed of the Lord. Abimelech comes to Isaac and says, man, we see God is with you. We see you're different, man. We see that that God has his hand upon you. You know what? As followers of Jesus, this can be our story too. It's not necessarily true. If we've rejected allowing the spirit to work in our world, people may be like, you know, Jesus, I never would have guessed. But for those who who are allowing the, the transforming presence of Jesus himself to be empowered in us by the Holy Spirit, it makes a difference in how we live. You see, trusting the Holy Spirit makes a difference in how I live today. If I'm a follower of Christ, trusting the Holy Spirit makes a difference in how I live. When we live lives trusting that the Holy Spirit is is present and active and leading us, we we see results and the people around us see results. We're not the same people that we were. Now, 
there, there, there's times that that old person emerges, right? And that may be a lot of the time, but over time, we grow. How do we grow? We grow to look more and more like Christ as the refining work of the spirit within us changes us over the long haul. Our faith grows because why? We have the living presence of God himself in us. You see, faith is built on God's presence and it transforms who we are. And you have to remind yourself that this is true because the world does not want you to experience this truth. The world wants to say, that's crazy talk. What do you mean God talks to you? They'd hear Jeff's story and just like I started talking to Jesus, Jesus talked back and they'd be like, see, you've indoctrinated him. He's bought into that, that crazy talk that you Christian people have. And they wouldn't even say Christian people. They'd probably say like you crazy Christian people. But this is just the normal Christian life. This is just normal that, that we would recognize that the best of all is God is with us. The best of all is God is with us. And so what can you do to open your eyes to the truth of God's presence in your world? I would say it, it's just one word. It's expectancy. It's expectancy. As you walk into Monday, that you would actually be expectant, that, that if you open your eyes and your ears, that, that you would be able to pay attention to what it is that God is doing in your world, that, that you would actually experience what it looks like to live out a life of following Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we take a look at taking some active next steps this week, the, the first one is that, that you can't experience this without the presence of Jesus, right? You cannot experience the active presence of the Holy Spirit in your world without first committing to following Christ. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, he comes and gives you new life. And as part of that new life, he takes up residence in your world and you can begin talking to Jesus and he will begin talking to you. That's our story. And as I said, Jeff's story was he sat in a chair for a really long time because he was just being the good husband. He was doing what good husbands do. And we all know what good husbands do, if you know what I'm saying. You do what mama say. That's what you do. So she said, go. He said, he went. He was doing the right thing. But over time, he recognized, no, wait, there's something more. And so you may have been sitting here for a while. And yet you've never crossed over to that place of saying, you know what, I, I need Jesus, not just in theory, but in reality. I need Jesus in my world. I need to commit to following Jesus so that the indwelling presence of God himself will come take residence inside of here and I can follow Jesus for the rest of my days here on earth and into eternity. And the best of all is God is with us. For those of us who have that life, this week, there's, there's two questions. And so one of the things that we, we, we asked you a couple weeks ago that, that you would start to engage in is this idea of the live it out. What, what does it look like for us to put our faith into motion? And so over this ministry year, from July on into this ministry year, that you wouldn't be thinking about, okay, what Bible study should I do? What things should I learn? Whatever. You would just focus on, wait, wait, what if I just did the live it out? What if I just did that? What if I just put into action what they talk about on the weekends and then this live it out during the week and then these next steps that they talk about, here's what we believe, okay? 
that, that if you do these things and you get to the end of this year, that you'll love Jesus more than you did right now. It may just be this much more, but over time, your faith will grow. Over time, you'll have built upon block after block after block that, that, that there would be a solid foundation of faith that you would be standing upon. And so the question to ask God this week is where have I overlooked your presence in the past? God, where have I discounted you? And what stuff? And then when that thought comes to mind that you would write it down. And then that you would pray this and try it, okay? Starting tomorrow morning, beginning your day with this prayer. God, help me to see where you're at work today. That's the prayer before you walk out the door. God, help me to see where you're at work today. And then when you step into your day and, and you see him at work and, and he's like, okay, here's what I have for you, that you do it. You do it. So it, maybe it's not just, God, help me to see where you're at work today. And then you also pray and help me to do what you're calling me to do. Because I'm terrified of this. And, and when I say I'm terrified of this, I'm terrified of this. This is the life. This is the life he's called us to. God, help me to see where you're at work today. And then help me to step into it. God has given us a, a tangible reminder. What we're gonna do now is, is we're going to um, take together something we call communion, but really what it is, it's a, it's a tangible reminder of this truth that God is with us. And so in all of our venues, your, your venue pastor is gonna come and gonna lead you through this time um, here in live, I'm gonna lead us through this time. You can go ahead and take the little prepackaged deal you got on the way in. If you don't have one, we can get you one. I'm gonna ask you to take the, the little um, wafer piece of bread and hold it in your hand. And look at it. And what you're holding there, okay, is, is a symbol of the body of Christ that was given for you. And here's what we're gonna celebrate today. It's a reminder, not just that Jesus died for your sin, it's also that he was raised to new life, that he's currently alive and he sent his indwelling spirit to be in you, that God is with us. Let's remind you of that. God's with us. And so as you look at the body of Christ today, the body that was given to you, here's what I want you to remember. Guess what? The indwelling spirit is in me. God's with me. God's with me. God's with me. Yeah. Yes. God is with us. Take and eat with a grateful heart. And then open the cup. Jesus said that the cup of wine was coming. He's like, hey, that, that, that cup now means something different. What you have now is a, a, a symbol of a new covenant that's been poured out in my blood. And what you hold in your hand is the lens 
through which we read all of God's story. It's the lens. And the best of all, God is with us. For those who have life in Christ, God's presence defines us because the blood of Christ has paid for all of our sin and has sealed us in a new covenant, a new part of our story. That, that our lives are no longer about what we've done in the past. Our lives are no longer about the sin in our background. It's now the fact that we are children of God and God is with us. Take and drink with a grateful heart. And now I'm gonna ask you to stand. And as you do, I'm gonna pray for us as we enter in a time of worship through singing to remind ourselves that God is with us and that's a reason for us to worship. God, we're so grateful that you've given us a, a reason to worship today in Jesus' name.